is a review. Um, some things that I have taken from what Kelly has talked about recently um, that I just want to throw out there as um, kind of a landing place for some of the things I'm going to talk about. So she's mentioned how thoughts and feelings create a state of being. And that state of being could be shame or guilt or fear. And I think a lot of us operate in that before we're enlightened or come to know who God is and how much his love is. Um, and also this idea of our need to renew our mind. Um, the other thing I was struggling with <laughs> is figuring, because this is a Bible study, is figuring out a Bible verse to attach to this. <laughs> because I've read the Bible a lot. I've gone to Sunday school my entire life. Uh, but I can't say I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go to Thessalonians 7 because this will go perfectly with it. But I felt like I need some Bible verse because it's a Bible study. So the one that we've been talking about a lot um, Romans 12, 2, which is do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And that's from the NIV. I'm sorry I didn't read from the Passion. No, Lord, help me. Yes. <laughs> um, but something that, that I saw in there that I've, I haven't picked up on before was the test and approve. So that you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. And I think that's really appropriate because, again, what I've been learning in this season is how do we test and how do we approve? How do I test? Is this fear? Is this God's love? Do I need to renew my mind or am I operating in where I should be? And I get to approve it. And again, because this is the Bible study and we love, love etymology, that word <laughs> to test and approve is dokamazo, which I think we've talked about before. I think Kelly's actually talked about. Um, and in King James, it's, it's translated as to prove. In NIV, it's to teach. But the actual, uh, some of the definitions are to test, examine, prove, scrutinize, see whether it is genuine or not. To deem worthy after genuine examination. And everybody said, mm. <laughs> I'm killing it. <laughs> So keep that in mind as we talk about that, as I tell my story. But just this idea that we get access to a gift of deeming what is worthy, what's worthy in God's eyes. What is fear? What is not fear? What is his creation? What is not? What is his truth? What is a lie? And we actually get access to that mindset to tie it all in. We get access to that mindset to be able to test and examine it. Which blows my mind when I say it out loud now. Mm -hmm. It blew my mind when I was reading it, but now it's blowing my mind again. Another thing that Kelly said before was, it takes diligent, intentional effort to change a mindset, which I 100% agree with. Um, it takes diligent, intentional effort to learn dakamatsu, to learn to test and approve what's God's will, what is God's will. It's taken me, and I'm just going to talk about the last five years. I'm not even going to go the last ten. But um, definitely the last five of taking diligent, intentional effort to decide I don't like what I'm seeing and I don't like what I'm feeling and I don't like what I'm telling myself and this needs to change. And it's not in agreement with what God is saying about me. 
the other thing that she said is, it's not that I'm separated from God, but if I'm thinking I am. And again, this idea that, I mean, we can separate ourselves so easily. <laughs> That's crazy. We can separate ourselves so easily from God with a, with a single thought. But at the same time, we get access to reconnect so easily too. And I think for my story of, of how I came up in the faith, that part wasn't taught to me, the ease of connecting back in, which I think a lot of us have a similar story. And so now to operate in that space of I'm out, and I know Anne Marie has talked about this a lot, of I'm out, but I just I get to get back in so fast. Of I, um, I saw something yesterday. In fact, I posted it, of course, because I'm a millennial about uh, diets and this, you know, here's what you do, here's what you don't do when you have a binge day, right? When you go and eat a whole carton of ice cream or whatever it is. Even if it's Halo Top, you still feel bad. Um, and, and the person says, don't, you know, you could shame yourself the whole rest of the day and feel bad about it and then decide you go and get on some crazy extreme diet for the next seven days, which is gonna fail. Um, or you could say, you know what? That happened and I'm moving on. That happened, I'm giving myself grace, and I'm moving forward. And I think that's the same thing with our relationship with God, is we could operate in the space of saying, oh my gosh, I just sinned, oh my gosh, I feel so much shame and guilt, which is where I was for five years, and just spin around in that wheel for forever. Or we could say, okay, God, this just happened. I t I'm testing and I'm approving, and I know that this isn't in your will, this isn't what you want from me and I'm gonna come right back into alignment with you immediately. So I think just realizing that we get to do that is, is amazing, is wild. Um, so, okay, so my story. So five years ago, so I'm 31. So when I was 26, um, I was, there's a couple events that I'm gonna to touch on that all kind of feed in together. Because as I was thinking about this, I thought, well, I can't talk about this without talking about this. And then it just turned into this whole butterfly effect. Um, so I was 26, and I was negotiating my first contract, my first um, raise, which in the, in the world of uh, pay equality, I was going for it. Good job, me. <laughs> and... and um, and what ended up happening is it didn't, didn't go very well. It didn't go how I thought it was going to go. So um, it ended up putting me instead of what I thought was going to happen of putting me on a trajectory where I was going to be a partner in a company that I was, had worked for for over five years and grew. Instead, it put me on a trajectory of, okay, I got to go. This isn't going well, so I need to evacuate. So um, then in that led to, so that was in January five years ago, Six months later, I resigned and left. And then two months after that, I ended up going into a legal settlement because there was some contractual things that went on. And that, the reason I talk about this is because that was my first experience with fear and seeing it face to face. Because the person who I had worked for, it became very obvious that he was afraid. And I couldn't figure out, it, for the life of me, we were close friends for however many years, how all of a sudden we were in this legal process. 
and it dawned on me, actually it probably didn't dawn on me, it was probably through a series of conversations that now I don't remember that I had with people who are probably sitting in this room, and <laughs> realizing that he was afraid, and that he was operating out of a space of fear, fear of losing income, fear of losing a growing company, losing money, whatever it is, um, fear of losing reputation, that he was aggressive and mean and basically whatever friendship or relationship we had before meant nothing, which to me being very relational based was a stab in the heart of I thought this meant something and now you're telling me it doesn't. And that was, I walked away from that saying, okay, that's what fear looks like. That's what fear looks like in a person. That's what it looks like when someone's operating out of, I don't have enough, that this is a scarcity mindset, which is pivotal because now that I run and operate my own business and, and continue to go for that, I now can assess people pretty quickly of they're in scarcity mindset, they're not in scarcity mindset because it comes off, it's, whether they know it or not, they're wearing a cloth that says I'm terrified and I'm gonna protect myself and that comes back to the testing and approving, right? So learning this skill early on of, okay, I can test and approve people who are operating out of fear mindset or not. And depending on the situation, I can either say I need to evacuate and I need to you know, go on my way or let me have a conversation with this person and let's get down to it and let's help them get over into the abundance mindset. So, at the same time, coincidentally, that I was going through this process, I also had discovered, so I'm sorry, I should have brought a diagram of the timelines. <laughs> um, this is June 2016, legal sediments in October. Same time, June is when I left the company. At this, In the same month, I found out I had a mass sitting on my ovary. And the doctor didn't think anything of it. We thought it was a cyst. I was young and I had had some PCOS symptoms. And, and she said, okay, well, you can operate. I said, eh, I'm not, I'm, one, I'm stubborn. Two, I have a science degree, so I think I know everything, which is why Kelly always fact checks stuff with me and she always looks to me. Um, so put those two together and I'm either your least favorite or your best patient. Pretty sure it's the former. Um, so, we had found this mass and I said, no, no, no. I'm gonna go see, uh, uh, I'm gonna do this in an alternative way. I'm gonna see if my body can heal itself. I know cell biology. I know that there's, our body is made to heal. Now that I'm aware of it, let me see what my body can do. And she said, all right, well, okay. But if anything happens, you're, you know, you're eventually gonna have to go to surgery. We need to take it out. And so, yeah. and so, no, you're good. And so, we went along that way, so I'm going through this settlement. I'm also at the same time going through a pretty intense detox physically. So I've got not only recognizing fear in a person, but then I decide, you know what, I think this physical thing, and again, I don't remember when exactly I put, it, put this together, but I have this epiphany of, I'm pretty sure this physical thing has something to do with spiritual thing. And I, and I don't think it's any coincidence that this mass is sitting on my ovary. And the reason I say that is because 10 years ago, so if this is June 2016, all the way over there, um, 10 years before that when I was 21, my dad passed away suddenly from a heart attack. As a result of that, 
um, I guess if you want to call it an orphan spirit or if you want to call it daddy problems, whichever <laughs> you want to call it, it, daddy issues are a real thing. I've very much discovered they are a real thing. Um, I would joke about it before and I've heard jokes about it. I'm like, well, it's, it's real. Um, so I lost my dad and as a result of that, I longed for male attention. And I'm sure we all know where this goes. Um, longed for male attention and therefore became promiscuous in a stage of about seven years after college. Um, I had grown up in, a, in the church and I thought for sure I was going to be abstinent my whole life until I got married and then my dad died and then it was like, well, whatever, I'm, I'm grieving and I don't have any idea of what's up and what's down. Um, and that led to a shame loop. And again, Kelly had talked about this thinking feeling loop of, um, I had a note in here, there it is. Yeah, the thinking feeling loop where a feeling evokes a thought and then the body matches the feeling or thought. So my feeling was, actually my action came first. I, I acted on a feeling, I acted on being sad and lonely and wanting male attention that action then led to feeling ashamed and feeling guilty because I knew I was out of alignment with God, but I didn't have the tools to get back into it really quick. And so I just went on this endless cycle of shame and guilt for seven years and saying, I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm going to do it again. I can't believe I'm doing this. I can't believe I'm doing this okay, we're going to do it again because that felt good for just one instant. It was like a drug addiction, honestly. It felt good for just one instant and then immediately after it was deplorable levels of shame and guilt. And so when this mass was found, again, I don't know when it connected, but I thought this is, there's got to be something to it. So I went on a deep dive of emotional and spiritual healing and decided, you know, I'm in a legal mediation, why not also do a detox and do inner healing? Because that's the best time. Um, so that is what I did. So, so using people within our church body, using spiritual leaders outside of our church body, just went for it and said, I want to know where my heart is in this space. And realizing that in my grieving process, that one of the first things I did, and even before I think my dad passed away, one of the first things I had done is I had cut off connection between my head and my heart. And I had decided the safest space was in my head and that the scariest place was in my heart. So I just needed to always be in my head because I could overcome, I could, I could solve things, I could show you that I was better than you because I was so smart. Um, that's probably the majority of it. And so I had to work on reattaching my head and my heart space again which also meant that I had to actually look at some things that were in my heart and say, I have a little girl in there who has not felt loved for a long time and who has tried a lot of different ways to feel love and instead it's ended in feeling terrible and feeling shame and feeling guilt. And because of that, I truly believe that my body was trying to protect me and said, we, need, we know you're feeling this and we need to put it somewhere. And now there's so much of a buildup that it just manifested this, this mass. Um, so then 
a couple months later, this was now we're in January of 2017, I ended up having to go and get surgery on it and get it removed. Um, again, I'm very stubborn. It was I was forced to get the surgery. I just want to say that I was not happy. For the record, yes, um, I had friends who loved me very much who said, "We know when you're in pain, and you're in pain, and you need to go get this removed." Um, and saying the detox was great and you did good things, but now you got to do some other stuff. So got it out. Found out that it was ovarian cancer. Had a, a surgery um, pretty soon after that to see um, what the level was or what the depth of it was and found out that it was stage three ovarian cancer, which means that it had metastasized to a couple different locations in my body. There were really small metastases. So that then started a whole no another level of fear, which for anybody who has ever and I had cancer or had family members who have had cancer, I think you can all say that cancer is the one word in our lexicon that is literally fear incarnate. Yeah. That word drops and it's like, <gasps> and that's what I felt in that space. And, um, and I had to deal with that. And I had gone through this emotional healing process, this detox process, which was so good. I mean, again, we want to talk about God's, let's see if I can do it, faithfulness. Okay, we made it through. <laughs> I almost said frog. Didn't think I was going to get there. Um, we want to talk about God's faithfulness and the fact that he was so kind. He was so kind to bring me through this inner healing process first and then to, to drop this bomb of cancer and to be um, empowered and to already start healing of some things so that I was prepared for what was coming next. Yes. Like, so good. And so, what the diagnosis, and we've talked a lot, and again, this is where I would sit in every one of our Bible study groups, and we would talk about, you know, you can get the diagnosis, but you don't have to believe the prognosis. Mm -hmm. So I got the diagnosis. There was no way to avoid it, but I didn't, believe in the prognosis, which the prognosis for me was basically three things. It was chemotherapy, um, a clinical trial of uh, uh, estrogen aromatase, which is hormone therapy, and a full hysterectomy, which I was 30 at the time. I haven't had any babies, and that was probably the biggest ball drop, and I remember sitting with Anne-Marie said Debbie that's really appropriate here last week disappointment is after nothing less than our destiny I felt it in that moment because I thought this is not okay I had always thought that I was going to have kids and so to be told that that was the thing that they wanted to do did not make any sense to me. And thankfully, under the wise, wise wisdom of 
this blonde powerhouse singer woman who I said, I get, to, I get to talk to God about that. I get to tell him that. And we get to have a really honest conversation about the fact that this is something I thought that was in store for me. And we did. <laughs> and I came away from the conversation with God of realizing that when fear comes into play, we get a choice. That when fear rears its head, one, it's okay to take a moment to breathe and just give yourself space from it, which I'm so thankful that I never felt rushed in the process, whether it was my stubbornness or not, um, never felt rushed to make a decision. And I think, unfortunately, there's a lot of people in this world, and this is why I so badly and finally have, have felt just an urge from God to say, you've got to share this story because there's so many people who think they don't have a choice and they don't have space to say, let me think about it, especially when it comes to cancer. Um, again, we want to talk about God's faithfulness. I mean, the fact that I had a medical background, I could go and read through articles and say, okay, I'm looking at the research. This is what it says. This doesn't make sense. One and one is not adding up to two of what you're telling me. And to feel empowered, at least in that regard, and to go back to my doctor and say, this doesn't make sense. This is what I'm reading. This is what I'm understanding. And this is what I'm willing to fight for because I believe that God called, like, put this on me, put this on my heart. I believe that God put having children and eventually being a mom on my heart and I don't think he wants to take it away from me and I'm not going to let him I'm not going to not God I'm not going to let this cancer take this away from me and so I had to learn how do we deal with that fear and it was believing and digging really deep into who God said he was and digging really deep into the promises that I was 99.9% .9 sure that we had made from the beginning of time. And I went for it. And to the testament of, again, what Kelly and other people have been talking about, of the mindset and of believing the truths and really being sure of it, I came out on the other side and I went a different way and I've had zero issues. I've had 100% clear blood tests since then. I've had no health issues. In fact, I would say I feel the healthiest I've ever felt in my entire life because now I'm empowered because of all the dang detoxes I've gone through. <laughs> now I feel like, all right, I know this is fungal and this is not fungal and this is bacterial. Blah, 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 blah. Um, and I'm really in tune with, you know, when my body gives me signs, this is another thing. When your body gives you signs, listen to them. Yeah. My whole process started with hormonal acne. That's where it started. And at the time, I just thought, oh, this is so annoying. My vanity is dying. <laughs> <laughs> I went on every, I tried everything before that. Until I finally sat back and said, okay, nothing is working, so let's try this a different way. Um, but it was literally hormonal acne. And I look back and I said, God the, and body, 
the body God created and gave me and that he made so perfectly well that it gives us signs when it's not okay was telling me there's something going wrong. You need to listen. And eventually I did. And it took me on a journey of realizing how to deal with fear and also just seeing how good God is, how faithful he is, how he shows up every time, every time. One of the things we're going to, we're going to probably wrap up early. You're welcome. Uh, is um, one of the things Debbie said last week that I love. Um, the, and I don't know if you were quoting somebody or not, but I'll quote you. <laughs> the truth can't set you free until you realize what lie is holding you hostage. The truth can't set you free until you realize what lie is holding you hostage. And I think to add to that, you have to be willing to go on the journey to realize how it's holding you hostage. That's good. I went on a five-year journey, and probably more than that, of realizing how I was holding myself hostage, how fear was holding me hostage, how shame and guilt were holding me hostage, how they had created, built this really, really strong wall in between my head and heart so that they made sure that I never knew how I was feeling and how I was thinking and how that all was connected. And I had to go along the journey of how, how is this all working out and how is this affecting me? Um, and then, I mean, the takeaway again is we get a choice in fear. We get a choice. And I think part of the things that, that we get to, what's amazing about this group and how I think we're eons ahead, maybe I'm being prideful, but I do. I think that we're way ahead of a lot of people, which means that we have to then, the burden's on us to teach other people this, yeah. is that we know that we get a choice and we know that we get to change our mindset and that God has given us the power to do it. Again, Romans 12, 2. Don't, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, perfect will. We get to test and approve what God's will is. He tells us so. We don't have to wait for him to say, okay, this is good and this is bad. We actually get to do it. And I think a lot of times... We've, we can sit back and wait for, and we've talked about this before, but we can sit back and wait for God to say, this is good and this is bad, and we pray and we wait and we pray and we wait. But like we've been saying the whole time, we're empowered to do that. We get to test and approve. He's given us access to that. And if we fall out of it, we get to get right back in. I had a... Um, I had an example of having to get right back in, falling out and getting right back in recently. I had, I went and saw a new lady doctor and um, we had, I had a, the annual exam, which everybody loves. And she said, hey, there was something kind of unusual on it. Let's do a follow-up. And immediately, 
I thought, oh, <laughs> insert expletive. Um, immediately, I went into a fear space of, oh my gosh, I thought I was doing well. Now it's metastasized. It's taking over my cervix. Uh, da, 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 and all the thoughts that went with that. And I didn't tell anybody for two weeks. And here's maybe a, a side lesson to learn as well. Speak it out loud yes. and tell someone. Yeah. Because it immediately diminishes. So I texted a friend and I finally told her two weeks later. I said, look, I just want to let you know that I'm going back in for this more intense, um, perhaps we're called a culpa, if you want to know. And, um, you know, just be thinking. And immediately the thought came into my head of, Laura, you've done this before. You've, you've had experiences that have told you, be afraid, be afraid, be afraid. And you've gotten through it. And you've had, you got, the, you got cancer put on you. And you took it and you said, okay, this is the prognosis and I get to choose how I'm going to walk this out. Worst case, if this comes back and you got something going on down there, you get to take space and then you get to decide and then you get to walk out whatever your path is. So it took me two weeks, but eventually I realized, okay, and I'm back in. And I'm back in the space with God where we're, we're talking together and he's reminding me of how he's shown up every time. He's reminding me of his faithfulness, and I'm feeling stronger in this, and we're good. So I uh, went and got it done, and I was fine, by the way. <laughs> it was all good. Yeah. So it's fine. False alarm. Um, and then I laughed about it. And, um, and that's just the amazing thing of God. Like, he's just so, he's so good. So I'm just... I was going to give you some practical stuff and whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, I think just to close with where we started. Um, actually, you know what, Derek? I'm going to have you come up. I think you're trying to make a move out, but I got you. Um, I think just to um, take a moment just to soak and just to get back into that space of um, taking some time to remind you of how God has been faithful to you. How has his faithfulness shown up? And it doesn't take long. Sometimes it feels like we have to really dig to access those stories. But just start thinking about one thing for me is if I just start looking back at my, my life and I say, gosh, it's too coincidental how all of these things have lined up. Like it's, it's too coincidental that I got a biology degree, but I didn't actually end up going to medical school but it ended up helping me with this. Um, so I think just soak in God's goodness and God's faithfulness for a little bit. Thanks for listening to me. Appreciate it. <laughs>